This is Yemen News. I'm Alex Williams. Today we get to hear from Imad Al-Akhali, a Yemeni rapper and hip-hop artist who was born in Taiz and grew up in Sana'a. Imad's going to share with us about his journey and development as an artist, including how hip-hop and hip-hop culture came to Yemen. So it's great to get him on the show and explore with him one of the subcultures in Yemen that is often hidden to Yemeni society and the world but is producing some really creative and also relevant voices for some of the issues being faced both inside of Yemen and also internationally. Um, welcome to the podcast, Imad. It's great to have you with us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure. Uh, definitely an amazing opportunity to be talking to you and on this podcast. Well, Imad, uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us how you started on your journey as a singer. Okay, okay. So, um, I am born, I am from Thais, so I was born in Thais, but my family did move in Sana'a when I was still a baby. So, I grew up in Sana'a, that's all I know is Sana'a, really. Um, I happen to be one of the few, I would say, lucky kids who didn't have very radical or extremist religious parents, because they both kind of grew up in Adnan, so they had somewhat of liberal ideologies, so they weren't necessarily against music. And as a matter of fact, my dad used to play uh, different instruments. Uh, he used to play the oud and piano and some like mismatch sometimes. Wow. And he was part of a, yeah, he was part of a band uh, that was showcasing one of like Aden's TV channels like a very long time ago. So technically, I kind of grew up watching my dad play oud sometimes in his office or when he has people over like Mafiel or Chew and God. They used to have like jam sessions, which I found pretty cool. <laughs> Wow, that is pretty rare. Yeah, it's very rare, right? And, and even my friends were like, are we hearing music in there? And I was like, yeah, my dad is chilling with his friends there. And each one of his friends would bring an instrument. They kind of have a jam session. Um, so it, I would say that right away from a very young age kind of instilled some kind of love for music. Um, and he also used to play some Western music because he, uh, he actually studied university in, in Russia. So he used to like Bob Marley, <laughs> and I, he, he used to listen to it on in the car a lot. And uh, Barry White, so you know Feruz and other musicians that were like not Yemeni musicians. So what, that also exposed me. Oh, I was gonna ask you, like, what was the reaction to those around him? I mean, like, there's your dad driving around listening to Bob Marley, or this kind of. I mean, you know, in a conservative mm-hmm. society in Yemen, was there any kind of reaction to that or was he just surrounded by really <laughs> open-minded people well the, the thing is because he he wouldn't like blast the music for example um and when he's around his friends i feel like the bob marley the these kind of western uh, music he would listen to it when he's alone or when okay. he's you know with us so when he's around his friends i'm pretty sure he was more of like ought to be songs that are you know pretty well known even if they're not Yemeni musicians. But in terms of Western music, I, he kind of kept it in, when he's alone or driving or with us, just in the car kind of thing. Right. So he, he didn't really get that kind of, uh, he didn't really expose it so much. Right. Well, tell me a little bit yeah. about your journey as a, you know, as you develop as a musician. <laughs> so basically, from me listening to those, to, to being exposed to that Western music, um, I automatically liked that more than Arabic music. It just kind of, I found it very cool to listen to. 
um, the dance moves. I remember um, my first introduction to that when I kind of had a uh, conscious because I was still a kid, but at, at some point I started understanding something called music and rhythm and all and dance and all of that. And that was around the time of boy bands, like Backstreet Boys and Sync, and when they were really popping at that time. So we used to get some of those CDs. I used to listen to them and try to imitate their singing and imitate their dancing. And even though I didn't understand what they're saying, I don't know the English that they're speaking, but I kind of just imitate it. I'm trying to um, get the accent right as much as possible. And I used to kind of perform it in one of my cousins and kind of sing it to them. That was somewhat of my introduction to I like performing. I like to do music, but I never thought of myself like as being a singer or do, doing songs, doing musician. Um, so for, uh, that would be the beginnings of it. But then life goes on. You live in Yemen. You don't really get to explore that. There's not much, you no know, people around you that really support music or try to push you to do more. So you just kind of like blend in with the society. Right. But at some point, when when I when I went to the States, that's when I really understood, like, okay, this is this music thing is something that I really love to do because I saw people doing it live in front of me, like rappers doing it because I was in high school. So I used to see these uh, people that would rap in the lunch lunchtime, and I just found it very fascinating. And right before that, I was already fascinated by the, right. by the Western culture in terms of, like, the hip hop culture, because that's where I got exposed to hip hop from my oldest brother, because his friends were people that lived in the States. So he used to bring like Shaggy and, and like Tupac and all of that. So I used to listen to that. And that resonated with me a lot more than I would say any other genres like rock or pop or anything like that. Who was around you? That, uh, who, who encouraged you the most? Would you say, was it your brother? Um, not really, because he, he did he just was listening to music. He didn't even know I, I liked that kind of music. But I, I basically um, would listen to it. And then my couple of my friends, the thing is, uh, there are, as you might have maybe met some or you know of, there was a lot of um, African-Americans that do come to Yemen to, to learn Islam. right? Mm-hmm. And I got exposed to them because I love basketball. So we used to go play basketball in like a Sabin and other courts. And they would be there. So one exposure to hip hop, and that's something that actually at some point I'm planning to do a documentary about how hip hop actually came to Yemen. That was one source. You know, those African-Americans, they used to come from different states, you know, from Georgia and Washington, New York. And they come and they learn Islam. They're very, uh, very kind of strict with Islam and everything. But once they play basketball, it, the, the hip-hop culture comes out. Okay. You know? So, you know, it comes out, you start hearing them, they kind of get comfortable with who they used to be. And so a lot of them used to, like, really, some of them used to be in gangs, some of them used to do, like, some other stuff back, you know, where they came from. Um, and that kind of exposed me to more of hip-hop. So they used to, like, give us CDs and, like, hey, this is, have you heard of this rapper? Have you heard of this? And then we kind of hung out more talked more rap and then my me and my friends started just writing raps just for fun when i was like in middle school and then rap it to each other and then from there that 
love for rap kind of developed. So it's kind of my influences were these guys and the friends that I was with. That's really interesting. You know, I never thought of like, you know, the African-Americans coming over to Yemen. I mean, I know I've seen them there, but I never thought that, you know, they're learning Islam, but then at the same time, they're on the courts and they're also sharing some of their culture as well. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very, very amazing and interesting. And that's one source of, of uh, hip hop coming there. But then you also have the other source of Yemenis who their parents go travel to uh, America, like, and they open bodegas and corner stores in the hoods in Brooklyn and other, you know, states. And they get exposed to the hip hop culture firsthand. So when they come to Yemen in the summers for visits, these kids, I used to know them, like I used to hang out with them. So that's another source of like, okay, they used to come with their clothes, their shoes and their, you know, the music. And it kind of fascinated me too. Like, oh, that's cool. While other, other Yemenis were kind of dissing them, you know, bullying them. Oh, you, yeah. Yeah. I I like to I like to kind of learn from them, kind of see how the life was over there. And it, to me, it was interesting. It was more interesting than living yeah. in Yemen. Yeah, I can remember being in uh, I can remember being in Sana and being at a at a one of the stores, and I saw Yemeni looked. You know, he looked like he was Yemeni, like a hundred percent Yemeni. But then when he opened his mouth, I was like, "Oh man, that guy is from New York." You know? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's a lot of them, a lot of them. You're right. So tell me when you started to like write your first song, like what was that like? How did that feel when you started to write more? Mm, I I started actually writing poetry first. That that was my my I was never seen it as I want to be a singer and do music. I started with like how can I make poetry like write poetry? and make it rhyme and have something meaningful to say. I always was in love with poetry in Arabic. Mm -hmm. And when I understood that you could do that in English, but you can do it in a much more relaxed way, which is, is rap. Rap is more of like a relaxed way to write poetry instead of okay. it being very literature kind of style. Um, so you can use common words, the things that you see every day. And if it's something meaningful, that, that's what I was aiming for. So I was writing poetry, making it rhyme. There was no beat, no kind of tune behind it. So we used to just say it a cappella, we used to call it. So I would just say my piece of poetry, and then my friend would say his piece. And sometimes we would do where we battle each other. So I'd write something against him, but make it rhyme. So that would be the beginnings of it. And I really started seeing it as a song, a writing song, is when I went to the States, came back. And then slowly started like freestyling, which is just me doing it from my head while there's a beat happening, like uh, playing in the car. We used to chill in the car and just freestyle for like hours. Wow. You went from shy to poet to rapper, you know, which is basically what it is, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So how did, how did Yemen or Yemen influence? I mean, I can see that you, I mean, the being a poet is very much ingrained in the Yemeni culture. So, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of influence there, but you know, how else did Yemen, you know, influence, uh, you know, as you developed as a rapper? As a rapper, um, besides the fact that, like you said, it, it feels like it comes natural just to, to be a poet and, and to be a deep thinker. 
Um, and that was just part of me living in Yemen, experiencing things that someone wouldn't experience if they lived, let's say, in, you know, in, in somewhere in suburbia. Uh, so Yemen gives you that from a young age, like a head of reality. So right away, you start thinking deeply about certain things, life and death. And um, that's one part of how Yemen might have shaped it. But other than that, I would say Yemen made it even harder for me to, to become a singer or become a musician because everything was against me from how people would view it, how my family were not really interested in developing more. There was no other facilities that you can go and kind of develop it more. So it kind of all had to go with, if I'm really passionate about it, I'm just going to go the whole nine yard. Right. Well, t- tell us a story about how your, how you, how has your music been, you know, impacted people or Yemenis? You know, how has that kind of developed? Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, I just, to me, I felt like there wasn't an artist from Yemen who is doing uh, music in a way where it's very expressive and it's not sugar-coated and it's not something that is just what everyone is doing because there there is other rappers in Yemen that rap in Yemeni or Arabic, but it's they all kind of follow a certain direction, just one direction, which is either be very political or just talk about maybe like a little bit of religion or more of a almost uh, a, doing it the Haliji way. A lot of them use the Haliji accent when they rap, even though they're right. Yemeni. Right. So, so I always found that interesting that there is no one that was like a Yemeni representing the Yemeni people talking the language of the Yemenis on their common day, you know, not something that's like a Haliji way. So, um, and to be internationally known. So, so far, there is no internationally known musician, like Yemeni musician. There are some that are in, like uh, known in the Arab world, but not internationally. To be internationally known, I felt like you need to do things in English where everyone can understand it. Right. So that, that was my first goal. Goal is to like master the English language and then do music in English so that the other parts of the world can understand it. At the same time, Yemenis can say, okay, we we're behind this, we're behind him because he's telling our story. He's, he's representing Yemen. So that's, since I came to Canada, all of my shows, I've done numerous shows at different places, uh, festivals and universities and restaurants. And I always bring the Yemeni element, which is like I would wear Mashedda on my head or I would wear the... Never have seen a Yemeni on stage or are probably already just heard of Yemen from TV or in the news. They have just one image of what Yemen is or what a Yemen is. So I wanted to kind of change that image. Like, you know, Yemeni and do rap and have style and have this. Well, so what kind of, that was my goal. What is uh, What were some of the reactions? I mean, I'm sure you've had some reactions. I mean, I'm going to ask you some more about your music, but just did you have any mm-hmm. kind of reactions from people, like people that have never met a Yemeni, you know, in that kind of light? They're thinking, oh, Yemeni is like this guy coming out from the village in the mountains or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that That's definitely, there was a lot of good reactions. I wouldn't say there was any bad reactions. The reactions were like, so you're from Yemen, really? Uh, you, you didn't grow up here? I'm like, no, I grew up there, lived there. I'm, I'm as Yemeni as you can get. But it's, it's like I do rap and I love music. And they're like, that's so, that's so amazing. We never knew that. 
and we now have an idea about Yemenis in, in Yemen. And every time I'm mentioning Yemen, some of them don't even know where it is or where it is. So I always have like a little bit of introduction in the beginning, like Yemen in the Middle East. It's not a it's not a Gulf country. It's not we're not Saudi Arabia. We're not this rich country. We're you know going through some of the worst humanitarian crises. So I kind of give a little bit of educational idea about Yemen. It almost was a mission of mine when I did it the first time, and I saw the reactions and how people were like, "What? You're from Yemen and you rap?" And I, I thought Yemen was like this this place people didn't even speak English, and you speak very good English. They were just all confused about life. <laughs> so I, I liked that feeling of like, you know what? I'm going to keep hitting them with, and as the, the more fame I get, the more like my message gets spread around places where they never heard of Yemen or they just heard the little pieces and have stereotypes about it. That's my mission, basically. And that just I just continued on that. That's great. You dedicated your last song, My Way, to the youth of Yemen. What's that song about, mm-hmm. or what's the song about? What inspired you to write that song? My way is what inspired me is the because I lived in Yemen and I always had this conflict of I did not feel like I was living the the common way of a Yemeni you know life. So in my head and the way I saw things, it was not a conservative way of seeing things. And while society all around me is telling me to think one way, and while in my head I have a whole different direction of how I see things, how I, what my morals are, what my principles are, and there was always this big conflict, and it felt like you had to always go with the crowd and what the society was telling you to do, because that's what the traditions are, and then they link it to religion, and they make you feel like you're really doing something bad if you do something that represents you, it has to represent community and everything like that so that really always been a struggle and then at the moment that i kind of broke free from that and i basically decided to say you know what i will do everything the way i see them you know the way i see it right i'm not going to care too much about what the traditions say or what society says i'm only representing me and i want to kind of push the youth to if they have a talent if they have a passion of some sort but it goes a little bit against what the tradition can say or what society says, you got to still do it your way because at the end of the day, like it's on you. You're the one that if you feel like you can make a difference, don't let society bring you down or keep you at one stage. Yeah. And that's why like I did that one. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a great song. Um, I've got to ask, yeah. you, I've <laughs> got to ask you, your, your wife is a lot, you know, Eliriani. she was on the show yes. with us before. She's, She's founded, uh, you know, she's a leader of, of a feminist movement. But what's it like to be married, you know, to, you know, a leader of a feminist movement? You know, tell me a little bit about that. Mm, that's it's actually an amazing thing. Um, I, and I was I was never in a position where I saw women as less equal. So grew, growing up like. I was raised mainly by my moms and my mom was like a strong woman that I see her as a strong woman. I never seen women as weak or they're supposed to be put in a certain place. So I already had that background of not seeing women that way, but I don't have sisters, first of all. So I don't really, I didn't have much, much interactions with women um, until I came to Canada and I had like friends that are females and I started to understand how 
females think and how they live their lives and they're just like us so slowly uh, that also opened my mind more into like the female life and then of course with her being a feminist i at first i didn't know what feminism what feminism is just like everyone else thought you know it was some radical way of thinking that women are better than men and men suck and all of that so she kind of educated me showed me what some of the struggles they go through and I, I found that very very saddening i kind of joined her in her in her uh, i would say journey of trying to bring equality to women especially in yemen and i see how women get treated in yemen and the, the advantages the disadvantages that they have just by being a woman tell me a story related to your wife's work that's you know had an impact on you you know if you can think of one mm-hmm. i would say I would say, for, first of all, the way she she decided to leave her, her first marriage and, and be strong enough to just leave it. And then not only that, but go against all, you know, what society says and then also fight for women's equality and then dedicate her time. I see, you know, sometimes she shares some stories that she hears from people that, you know, tell her how much they're struggling as women. The fact that they're able to share that story with her um, as a leader in, in the feminist movement, um, and I hear those stories, and some of them I'm like, that's insane that some women go through that and they're still living their lives, you know, kind of continuing their day by day. And sometimes she she did do a couple of things where she started movements with uh, the Samiha, who got killed by her brother just for asking to be married. And how she really pushed for that movement or for that person to to get prosecuted. So that really inspired me. And I, and I always push her. I'm like, you know, you should continue doing that. I'm here for whatever support I can give. Oh, that's great to hear. What would you say to a father, like, raising a daughter in Yemen right now? You know, what's some mm-hmm. advice, you know, from your background? What's something that you could give them as advice as, they have, as they're kind of raising their daughters up in Yemen? If they're in Yemen, obviously this is a huge. There's going to be a huge battle just to be a woman in Yemen, and and the father would have to, first of all, in my opinion, no, like any father that has a daughter in Yemen or anywhere else should treat her the same as if he has a son. Um, obviously, then he has to under let her understand that as a female, there's certain things already from society that puts you in a disadvantages, uh, in a disadvantage. But it's to train her, to educate her, to help her understand life uh, and how to maneuver around the patriarchy system and um, to see herself as an equal. Because when she starts from a young age seeing herself as an equal, she's going to act that way. And that's going to push her to do great things and become leader, a leader in certain places, whether it's business or activism or anything else. So I always would say to treat them the same as you would treat your son and give them the same opportunities. And then if society is going to treat them like in a negative way, then she's going to have enough that like the tools and the confidence to combat that. That's great. I mean, what do you, I'm sure you do, but what do you miss about Yemen being, uh, you know, being away right now? I know you're really connected with everything that's happening in Yemen, but I'm sure you miss something in Yemen. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, I miss Yemen a lot. 
And and it's sad to me because the last time I was in Yemen is in 2010. So it was when things were somewhat normal. So I don't know what the Yemen is like right now after everything that's happened with the revolution and the Houthis and how life is right now living there. But I, I miss the time that I was there and how life was um, from just the ability to just the people themselves and being able to communicate with them. Because being in, you know, somewhere outside of your home, you still have to, you know, try and understand how the society lives and, and you're, you never feel like you're at home unless you spend so many years here. So I'm, I'm kind of at that point where I'm half and half. Like I remember my home as Yemen and the things that I, my memories there, the, the nature, the people, the family mainly. Uh, but I also now see this as my home, which is like the, the Western, the Western world where I can connect to more as with my mentality that I'm in right now. Right. Well, there's a lot of probably, you know, up and coming you know, rappers, hip hop artists, writers inside of Yemen right now. And just before we go, I just, you know, what's your message to the youth of Yemen? They're out there and they, they're, they're probably, they're, they're listening to this. Yemeni's outside of Yemen, Yemeni's inside of Yemen. What would you say mm-hmm. to encourage them as they kind of get on on their journey? I really, really, really encourage them to follow their passion. If, if they have a passion, it's in, whether it's an art or business or as music, um, it, just to really follow through with it. And not let the family, sometimes the family will be, most nine times out of ten, a Yemeni family will not be as supportive towards anything that has to do with art or music. So don't let that stop you from really pursuing what you love to do. And to just continue pushing on that and, and, and learning more and keeping an open mind. And whatever it is that you're doing is to understand the origins of it. And that's what I, that's what I do with hip-hop like i didn't just join hip-hop because i thought it was cool i actually went and studied it i went back to the roots of it understood where it came from so that i don't mistaken like do a mistake where i start to maybe insult the the pioneers of this movement so i have to understand that respect them see where it comes from it's a black culture so any black uh, issue that happens now which is what's happening in the world right now i feel directly like I have to support it because it's a culture that I'm a part of, which is the hip hop culture and it's a black culture. So one of those things where you, you have to go all in into it if it is your passion and to not listen to all that outside noise. Well, That's my message. It's been great to hear you, Imad. This is uh, Imad Al-Akali with us. We're definitely going to, you know, have a couple of posts. I want people to hear your, your last song, My Way, as well. And uh, we'll definitely be keeping up with you and, and just as you continue to, you know, have more exposure internationally. So really, thanks for being with us today, Matt. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Alex, for doing this. You're, you're doing an amazing job with this podcast and, you know, shining a light on, on the Yemeni youth and uh, just the Yemenis in general and the Yemen issues. I see you like we're always on top of it with sharing the news and like you're really passionate about Yemen. That's beautiful to see. Like for someone who who might might not be from a Yemeni family, but it seems like you are have accepted it as, as your second home or maybe your first home. <laughs> but thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for that opportunity. Thank you, man. I appreciate you saying that. No problem. Of course, we'll have definitely more more podcasts, and um, I'll let you know about this new song that's coming out. That's going to be. Uh, 
going to be a very interesting one because it is something that talks directly to Yemenis about the Yemen situation um, when it comes to like you know child soldiers and it's it's something that I'm, I'm in the works of creating a music video for it so you know Imad told us that Yemen has influenced him as a poet and as a deep thinker he told us that Yemen gives you a hit of reality from the beginning by confronting young people with issues of life and death at an early age I wonder if this is why Yemenis can relate to the hip-hop culture that is born out of the African-American experience as we've been hearing a lot about their struggle in the news lately and the realities of life and death that they face from a young age. I think what Imad represents for us is what it means to be a true ambassador of Yemen. He's been able to, as he describes it, go all in to another culture, which is this culture of rap and hip-hop, and even take on their issues. And yet he does this without rejecting or losing his Yemeni identity or relevance to Yemen. In fact, he does it to tell the Yemeni story. He says, I'm as Yemeni as you can get. So even as he mixes English with Yemeni Arabic lyrics in his songs, he is both a voice for Yemen and a voice to Yemen. As he told us, his goal is to be internationally recognized while having Yemenis feel he's behind us, he's telling our story. So this is what we're trying to do here on the podcast, which is to tell the Yemeni story or give Yemenis a platform to share their own stories internationally. And I want to encourage all of us to continue being ambassadors for Yemen. Whether you're Yemeni or from another nationality, we can all share the stories of Yemen. And for sure, there are issues that we should not be silent about, which we've been hearing about here on the podcast. And we need to be a voice for Yemen, speaking about the international responsibility for the crisis in Yemen. And we need to be a voice to Yemenis, challenging them to self-reflect and be a force of change inside Yemen where changes are needed. Thank you for listening today. I'm Alex Williams, and this is Yemen News. Yemen News.